Jane McConnell, and welcome to the Bold New Breed podcast. Today, we're going to talk about reasons the gig mindset is resisted. This is frequently the case from different people in the organization, very often from management, uh, but not only. And one thing for sure is that we need to understand why this happens. In general, people come across something new and they ignore it, they resist it, or they embrace it. How do we handle resistance? We need to start with first understanding what's going on. Why is management so resistant to change? We've seen it in many organizations, and I imagine you've experienced it in your own organization, and it's a question that really deserves an answer. A well-known analyst and journalist based in India explains how he sees it based on his experience. Quote, I think it's a form of blindness, willful blindness, that they're unable to step back and see why they're losing relevance, especially if they've been successful in the past. But if you get caught in operations, and if you think that you can shut out the world and keep doing what you're doing forever and ever, and follow the processes that you've done all your life, and keep working at it, if you think that you'll continue to remain relevant, it's a fallacy. If you look at any industry, whether it's in India, in the U.S., or anywhere else, the mortality of companies is frightening. It's getting shorter and shorter, and there's enough research to prove that. But why don't more people get it, then? That's the key question. End quote. And it's a question I hope we can answer together as you listen to my podcast and respond by sharing your own experiences, comments, and opinions. In most organizations, gig mindset behaviors are misinterpreted. They trigger negative reactions that discourage people who work that way. It's a question of perception, and we need a fundamental 180-degree change in how gig mindsetters are seen. In the eyes of many, especially management, they're seen as deviants, doing things that deviate from the right way to work, from the way the organization is used to working. Deviance is dangerous. It goes against the organization. The thing is, what we're really talking about is positive deviance. Positive deviants are people whose deviant behavior is perceived as negative, harmful, but who end up with positive outcomes thanks to that very behavior. I'll put some references in the show notes about where the concept of positive deviance originated. I'd like to give you Two examples. Team building is one. Team building across silos based on skills rather than roles and hierarchy is perceived as deviant in the sense that it's a threat to hierarchy. They lose control over their people. On the other hand, the positive viewpoint is that teams get faster and more comprehensive results, greater impact, because they have diverse ideas and diverse skills. Another example is external networking and continually learning new skills. Gig mindsetters do this extensively. They appear to be deviant to some because they come across as being self-centered and individualistic. On the other hand, the positive view is that they are building awareness of what's happening, not just with competitors, but in general, what's going on around the organization in the outside world. And they can share this information internally to the great benefit of the organization. There are other examples in my book where a deviant behavior is in reality a very positive behavior. 
It's a question of perception. So the question I'd like to ask and hopefully answer with your help is, why are these misperceptions so common? I think it comes down to six things. One, pride in past success. Two, faith in best practices and benchmarking. Three, fear of losing power. Four, fear of speed. Five, a false sense of safety in silos. And six, living in filter bubbles. Let's go through them one by one and just say a few words about what they mean. And this is where I'd like a lot of your input after you've heard this. The first one, pride in past success. People who've worked for 10 or more years to reach where they are in the hierarchy are not necessarily at ease with people who challenge the status quo and question how the system works. The traditional mindset believes there's no reason to interfere or try to change something that's worked well and continues to do so. Our second factor is faith in best practices and benchmarking. And this one's really important because a lot of people fall into this trap. Best practices and benchmarking, by definition, are the past, not the future. Counting on them means you're leaning on the past. You're not leaning to the future. It doesn't mean that you should forget the past. It doesn't mean ignoring what other people have done, what other companies have done. But what it does mean is looking forward and not using the past as your guide to the future. C.K. Prahalad was a well-known strategy specialist, and he made a counterintuitive statement that is really, really critical. He said, during a corporate transformation, the forgetting curve is sometimes more important than the learning curve. The third point is fear of losing power. I think a lot of people in powerful positions fear losing it. For senior leaders in large organizations, the way gig mindsetters work disrupts the way things have been done and how they work. It challenges the way they themselves work, and it makes other people question habits that are ingrained in the organization. A side effect of this fear is that these very managers, who are often the ones who will be hiring new employees, will favor job candidates who appear to show respect for the status quo. They're likely to hire people who ask questions during the interview about how the company works, what they do, how things happen. They're less likely to hire people who suggest ideas for other ways of working, saying things like, have you considered this? Have you thought about that? Point four is fear of speed. Gig mindsetters tend to be very much aware of how fast things are moving outside the company. And they want to move fast as well. They want their company to be moving fast. One thing I learned that surprised me, although when you stop and think about it, it's logical. In my survey data from 300 people back in 2018, I saw that people that had a high gig mindset score were 25 percentage points higher in perceiving external change to be faster than internal change. Their perception was that the world is going faster than they were, than their company was. On the other hand, people with a lower gig mindset score did not see much difference between internal and external in terms of speed. They felt things were moving along at similar speeds. Point five is a tricky one. Many people have a false sense of security inside their silos. This reminds me of a guy I met a long time ago from a big global industrial company. 
and he was trying to help people in his organization understand what a silo really is. And his message was strong. He said, my silo is my neighborhood, but my neighborhood is part of a city. This was the way he was making people in his company stop and think about the difference between closed silos and open silos. A silo isn't necessarily bad, only if it's completely closed to the outside world. An open silo, like a neighborhood, is important to people. It's, this, it's the city part that most people forget. The last point is living in filter bubbles. People on the edges of the organizations, especially those who are customer-facing, they see a lot more about what's happening outside than do people inside the organization. Unfortunately, these people are often forgotten or left to the last to be interviewed when initiatives and strategies are being defined. A number of years ago, I refused to do a digital workplace strategy project because the workshop members were all from headquarters. I said that unless they brought in people from the countries and from the field, I I wouldn't be able to work with them. The project wouldn't work. Luckily, they believed me. They did what I recommended, and we ended up with a very successful creation. And actually, a lot of new connections were made during the workshop, which lasted about three days. This episode might seem discouraging, but it's important to understand what is driving resistance. Pride in past success, faith in best practices and benchmarking, fear of losing power, fear of speed, a false sense of safety in silos, and living in filter bubbles. We have to look at ways to heal the blindness, to open eyes. And to do that, we start with understanding. And in future episodes, we're going to go into specific detail about work cultures, hiring, evaluations, building teams, developing leadership, and other subjects. One thing that will help us a lot is to hear real stories from people I'll be interviewing, stories that will inspire you, will give you ideas. I'd also like to invite you, if you have experiences you'd like to share, to drop me an email or a message. I'd love to talk with you, confidentially, of course. And if you're willing, perhaps we could talk about it here as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more. Check out my new website, boldnewbreed.com. You'll see a list of other episodes that will interest you. You can also subscribe on your podcast app of choice. I'm looking forward to seeing you again very soon.